Italian Impact Weekly is sponsored by Steve Mancini and his sponsors. Good evening and welcome to Italian Impact Weekly. I'm your co-host, Steve Stefano Mancini. And I'm Claudio Relsano, and we'd like to welcome you to our show, Italian Impact Weekly, where we discuss a wide range of issues from business and medicine to sports entertainment with an intent to entertain and form from our unique perspective. Again, thank you for joining us. And a big thank you to our listeners from all over the world streaming us live at khbradio.com. In the meantime, for all of our listeners, if you're interested in being a guest, if you want to join us, if you have any questions or you're thinking about sponsoring our show, please feel free to email us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. All right, Claudio, how are you doing? Um, any classified documents in your house before we begin? I don't. If you if if I had them, you wouldn't find them anyway. I got all kinds of stuff, but uh, they're in the couch. Good. They're shoved good. in the in mattresses on the couch. You know, good. Italians are good for that, right? <laughs> we can hide things. We can hide things for sure, for sure. Everything's good. Everything's good. Looking forward to this show. I appreciate you having me, and uh, excited about this for sure. No, I, I'm excited too. Um, you know, this is something you and I have been talking about for months to yeah. do something together. And uh, you know, big shout out to the station here when uh, when I talked to Michael and uh, you know he gave us the opportunity to come back and do this show again. I could not have jumped on it any faster. Well, I but, appreciate uh, how you been? How you been lately? I haven't. Uh, I guess like I haven't seen you in person in a while. Thank God everything's good. Running as always. Uh, We'll get to it in a minute, but I got th- I'm got spinning a ton of dishes, as always, between baseball and the other work, and I, I know we're going to introduce ourselves, oh, so yeah. we'll get to me in a second, but uh, we want everybody to get to know us, right. so we'll start off with you. How's that? Oh, it's good. If so far, thousands and thousands of listeners who want to know who I am, All right. let's well, talk about okay. who Claudio is. All right. Um, go ahead, Claudio. Right. I tell you, let's, for- let's kind of do an interview, make okay. this a little bit fun. We'll do an yeah. interview each other. Kind of get to know, get the you know, let the, the guests get to know us a little bit, and right. uh, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. Well, like I said, we'll paint a picture of ourselves. First of all, where are you from? Here in the states. Not. We'll talk about your people in a minute. Where they're from in Italy, but where where are you from originally? Well, I'm new to the radio, so I'm just going to go Pittsburgh. Now, remember, <laughs> we talked about that. No, um, yeah. So I did grow up here in Pittsburgh. I grew up in uh, Bloomfield, which um, you know, it's kind of called Pittsburgh's Little Italy. We were just talking about this before the show, and I was actually there. Two days ago, I'm not. I don't live in Bloomfield anymore. I live right outside of right outside of Pittsburgh. But yes, I'm still a Yenzer. Um, but uh, you know, I grew up in Bloomfield. And I was in there a couple of days ago. And the funny thing, though, and again, we're going to talk about kind of that background and and you know those those you know, those cultural impacts and those things that kind of shaped us. Right. But it is amazing when you go back to these neighborhoods. You know, Pittsburgh. You know, Little Italy, Bloomfield. And you go back and you're like, ah, is this thing Little Italy anymore? I don't know. Um, and you know, that's something that we're gonna you know we're gonna talk about that later on as far as you know. The importance of culture and and where is it? Well, you know, this is this is something we're going to get into. We're going to have different guests on, and we're going to talk about that because that's kind of important. Because there was a time, like I said, when you grow up in your neighborhood, especially like I'm not old, but I'm older. You know, I'm in my fifties, and so I remember that first generation, second right. generation that came off here, where they were still speaking <laughs> Italian, where you were still going to the Italian stores, where it was Italian, Italian. Whether you're walking down the street, it was Italian, and and you know you growing up in that environment. And I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't see it, but again, this is something we 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 always talk about. This is it there and it's different, or is it gone? But one thing we can't deny is it shaped us. And and my growing up in Bloomfield and seeing all that, I didn't realize how much it did impact me till later on when I looked back 
at Bloomfield. And you, I think you're a, you're also a local guy. Swickley, Pennsylvania, born and raised, same house wow. uh, for 58 years. And uh, my parents uh, came, well, my dad came here in uh, 35. My mom came here in 63. And, right off uh, of the boat. Yeah, right off the boat. And uh, But yeah, I, I've, I've born and raised in Swickley, as I said, never going to leave. Love it there. Raised my daughter there. My wife, Linda, who's from Mount Washington. A lot of Italians up there as well. Uh, it, it's a great area to live in. Uh, you know, they we used to call it Mayberry, and it still kind of is. But we spell the uh, Mayberry with an I, not with a Y. But uh, it, there's, there's a, it was a lot of Italians who came over to Swickley from especially from uh, Calabria, where my family's from. My dad's from uh, Falerna. My mom's from Nocera Terinesa. And a lot of them came over here. And, you know, they said, hey, this is a great place. Why don't you come over here? Hey, this is a wonderful place. There's work here, steel mills, coal mines not too far away, landscaping. Why don't you come over here? And that's what they did. And uh, Funny you say that, though. They came from Calabria. So the interesting thing, though, is when they, when they did come over, they tried to basically stay in pockets. Right. So, like, I grew up in Bloomfield, and most of those people were probably from Abruzzo. Abruzzo, yeah. So, because behind where I grew up, there was a club called uh, Adelaide Club, which is a, is a city, Adelaide, in, in Abruzzo. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, if I'm, if memory serves right, if you weren't from that town or that area, you couldn't join the club. Right. And it was crazy, but they, I mean, it was like these whole towns would pick up and say, okay, everyone, meet you in Pittsburgh in six months when the boat arrives. Okay, see you there. And then they'd all kind of just get up and move to another city and those, and they stayed the same like that. So it's kind of funny. Oh, my mom came here by plane, by the way. That hit me. (laughs) They came here by plane. I can't do it by the plane. You know, I got to do it by the boat. It's a little easier. Um, So a little bit more modern times and she never left. No, no. No, But now, where is your family from uh, in Italy? So my, I have one side, uh, of my grandson that comes from Calabria, again, a little town. I finally went and seen it. It's a small town in the mountains called Mendetriccio. It's um, in the province of Cosenza. Nice, Cosenza, beautiful yeah. area, yeah, right near sure. the beach. Beautiful That's area. At, and then yeah. my grandfather's side, they're all from Abruzzo. Again, Adelaida, um, a small town called Pesca Costanza. I actually got a chance to go there a few years ago. I, You know, it's when you go there now, It's you're, you're going, why do people leave here? It's beautiful, <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah, but you know what? 80, 90, 100 years ago, while it might have been beautiful, it was also very poor. In fact, some areas, when I went back to Calabria last year, I saw there, there's, well, there's still poverty there. So the idea that people would leave these beautiful areas and you know come to a strange land, eh, you'll go where you got to go to make money and feed your family. And, that's, yeah. and they're no different than you know, the Polish, the Irish, the Germans, sure. whomever that came over here, the Slovaks, whomever came over here. And, and even the immigrants that are coming over here today, they're all doing the same thing. They're coming to America, land of opportunity, I'll do anything because I know there's a job. Somebody needs my service. Right. I'll work hard. I'll make money. I'll take care of my family. So, you know, it's, it's good. That, that hasn't changed. That is ultimately what America is about. Well, that's what they did. And the game plan was to come here, make money, go back, and live. Now, my grandfather did that, except he came here when he was 15. He left when he was 84. <laughs> so he didn't – he left – he stayed here quite a while. But, so he actually uh, went back. That's good. Yeah, but my dad obviously never wanted to leave. He, he – was very proud of being from Italy, and we ta- he talked about it every single day, as my mom did. But uh, obviously, they were very, very uh, happy yeah. here. But you uh, got to serve. You can only serve one master. So I, it's like I you got to pick yeah. one. I mean, I love, I love that that culture aspect of Italy. Yeah. You know, um, I love. I got family there. I love to go visit. You know, yeah. I got my passaporto, and I love it all. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm born and raised in America. Yeah. I'm American. That's when I was, was there in '80. 
I talked to my uncle and aunt. My, my uncle moved to Milano. His wife's from, from Milano, but my, my mom's people, as I said, are from Nocera Terines. So I still have an aunt there. So I talked to her. I talked to all of them every week. And as I said, I was there in 80. Uh, loved it there. Beautiful. The first thing I noticed was how blue the water was, right? Just a beautiful place. Er- everything was great. But again, this is home uh, for me. And, and you, you mentioned you know, Bloomfield, uh, Abruzzi, but, but in the Oakland section, which isn't too far, obviously right. for Bru- that's where Dan Marino's from Bruno San Martino and their families are from, uh, Abruzzi. So like you said, pockets yep. and, uh, from, from my section of Swickley, Coriopolis, um, Moon Township area that was again from all from Calabria, the, the Southern part. And the nice thing is <clears throat> having, having you had your father come over, I, I want to say recent, you know, the sixties, mm-hmm. but that's, that's still more recent. Mm-hmm. The war was over, right. you know, you had, you could make international calls. I mean, mm-hmm. people don't understand that either. It's people don't get how much technology has changed in a very sure. little time. I mean, now you can WhatsApp, you can jump on the internet. Like that didn't <laughs> exist 20, 30 years ago. Right. That was just, you were on the phones. And then when you push back, you know, 60, 70 years, you know, you weren't making necessarily international calls to these towns. And, you know, you certainly weren't flying. Remember when flying was like, well, I'm going to fly. It cost a ton of money, especially right. international. Um, so that contact, I mean, I think you're fortunate because most people that have had what I'll call that older generation that came in before the wars, that a lot of that communication was lost. I mean, that right. was what happened to my family. I didn't even know I had relatives over there. That was a recent adventure. Mm. Yeah, well, like I said, we kept tra- we kept tabs with our family over there as I do to this day and it's something that's important to me and my daughter gets to see them and speak to me you know, through Zoom and all that where years ago I still have the envelopes with the with the uh, it was a red white and blue envelope uh encompassing oh, the uh, yeah it was red the white and blue parts, right, yes. red white and blue uh colors encompassing the envelope right and my grandfather would write to my dad my dad would write we, we would call obviously but it was so expensive uh, but now like so you do zoom skype uh, we, we do it every week and it's it's quite different but now I'm, I'm uh, glad. for our younger listeners right there was a time when you would take this thing called paper right. and you would <laughs> use a, a pen and you would write a note you would say dear so and so how right. are you and you would stick it in a thing called an right. envelope and put a stamp on it and mail it and if it didn't <laughs> get lost in the u.s postal system right. it was probably going to get lost in the italian postal right. system and if it didn't get, get lost. lost there six months later right. by golly it made it now uh, tell us uh, what you do now work-wise uh, now you, you you talked about your, your family a little bit over there and uh we'll, we'll kind of jump a little bit well real quick no let's go back you decided to go deeper into your roots to find out you kind of touched on that why did you do that and so a funny that. story a funny thing happened to me on the way to you know on the way to the station <laughs> um no a couple of years ago geez now it's probably about four or five years oh, time flies um my brother had mentioned to me he said you know i think you can be a an italian citizen i think we're eligible and i said i was like what i've never i've never heard of that that you get, you can get your citizenship through your bloodline. Mm-hmm. I like the Irish do it. Very, they're very similar to the Italians. Sure. You can get it through bloodline, and I think there's some other countries that do that. But, um, and I said, well, that's crazy. So I looked it up, and lo and behold, it was like basically if you had a great grandparent that was born in Italy and they did not, and it was like a certain year, and and they didn't renounce their Italian citizenship, mm-hmm. you could become a citizen. So I said, well, that's pretty interesting. I wonder if I meet the criteria. So just for the heck of it. I started doing research on the Mancini side. I went, started looking up some records, and I actually hired uh, somebody in Italy to go and pull the records. And he came back, and I actually hired a local guy here in uh, Pittsburgh, 
And uh, they were like, yeah, you, you, you have, you're eligible. There was no break in your lineage. Right. And what had happened was my great-grandfather, who was born over there, he died before he became a U.S. citizen. Mm. So he never renounced his Italian citizenship. So I was like, that's crazy. So I, I did the whole genealogy for them. But then I found out because that town they were in during World War II, a lot of it was destroyed. The people left. It was poor. So if there's other relatives there, I don't know. I can't find them. I might, I might go back and revisit that. Yeah. But then I said, out of curiosity, I said, I wonder if any of my grandmother had any relatives there. So it turned out that when her father came here and his brother came here, he had three sisters that stayed behind. I never knew this. So they literally stayed in the town, got married, had kids. Most of the kids stayed in the town. Mm. And some of them are still there. And, of course, the grandkids, a lot of them are still there. So I was able to make contact with them. And that's how last year, for the first time, and like, and, and I kind of see it's like you closed a loop. Because I do remember one thing. When we went and saw them, and um, only one person spoke English, and one spoke Italian. Luckily, I speak enough Italian, I was able to communicate. But the one lady, she tells me, she's like, she's like you know how, how, how important this was? She said, I remember when my grandmother would talk about my brothers mm. had gone to America. And she's like, I think we only got a letter back from one time. But again, you got to realize he died young. There was a war. Right. You know, you had a lot of, there, there's a lot of things happening at that time. So it wasn't like people just pick up the phone. Um, so for her, it was huge. That, like, cause it's kind of like, Hey, I wonder whatever happened to my, you know, my great uncle, which essentially would have been for her. It's like, you wonder what happened to these people because people forget when they come here or when they came here back then, it's like sometimes you have no idea if they made it. And so it was awesome. So I was able to find out that I do have um, a lot of relatives down there in Calabria. Um, Again, I might go back to the Abruzzo. I am interested. Um, But you, you uh, don't have to do so much. You know you've got relatives there. No, my dad, uh, Olindo, and my mom's name was Ida, who we named our daughter after, uh, my mom. And uh, before I – you'll hear me talk about my parents – all the time. And my wife, Linda, and my daughter, Ida. I even had a great dog, Grover. I've been very blessed. But, you know, there's an old saying, if you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he didn't get there alone. So wherever it is I'm at in life, it's because my, my parents, for sure. But my dad uh, knew the history of our family very, very well, passed it on to me. I'm passing it on to my daughter. The guy I'm named after was an eye doctor. His brother was a big-time priest and a mathematician. So I know the history of everybody. And then on my mom's side, I, I know a lot about what they've done and all that. So I didn't have to do too much digging, uh, which is good. So, um, but yeah, but very proud of it. And, and again, try to instill that family uh, pride in my daughter. And, and uh, she minored in Italian. She's a senior at Pitt. She minored in Italian, which is good. And um, although it's funny, when I talk to my aunt in Calabria, I talk to her Calabria. So, so we understand each other perfectly. My uncle will, can talk to me in Calabria, but my, my aunt, who's born in, in Milano, She'll say a thousand words. I'll understand about seven hundred. But we 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 get right. the idea. The dialect, yeah, the dialects. And dialects interesting. Um, and yeah. I spoke to my mom in English or an American. She spoke to me in Italian. That's how we well, taught each other the language. And it is funny because um, I I think the word dialect is a misnomer. Mm-hmm. You know, Italy didn't get united till the mid eighteen hundreds. Those were individual kingdoms right. influenced by different countries. For all practical purposes, they're different languages, mm-hmm. in, my, in my opinion. They're close because they're all Latin-based. But essentially, you know, they're essentially minorly different languages. Right. So, But it is what it is. Um, I want to pick your brain a little bit because you, you're going to ask me what I do, but I'm going to turn around before you even get it because I'm boring. I'm very boring. <laughs> Claudio is not boring. 
Talk about what you do because you got a lot going on. And I know you're going to talk a little bit more about this later, but yeah. just a couple of things. Well, a bunch of things. I'm the head baseball coach at Carnegie Mellon University. Where? To, I'm just <laughs> 18th year going to CMU. I'm a uh, general manager and professional baseball scout with the Global Scouting Bureau going in 22 years. I do a lot of baseball training. I uh, own a landscaping business, which my dad started in 71. I've had it since 88. I also uh, host a TV boxing show uh, called uh, The Boxing Authorities, with two great, great, great people, Luther Dupree Jr. and Smoking Jim Frazier. We have we just have a lot of fun doing that. It's a great show. It's the best boxing show on TV. Co-host of Steel City Sports World for 18 years. That show's been on. I've been there since uh, 2008, I think. 2000, yeah, 2007 or 8. Um, what else do I do? I had to write it down. Um, uh, then I, I wrote a book, which we'll talk about uh, yes, in between breaks. About and uh, do another podcast, a basketball uh, coaches podcast, Pennsylvania Association uh, Basketball Coaches, Pennsylvania Basketball Coaches Association podcast, and I uh, do some motivational speaking. And um, so that's, I think that's about it. I'm sure I, uh, part time oh, hard surgeon if somebody stuff. wants to hire me. So you do sports? and a husband and father. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> I do it all. Do it no, all. that's good. Um, you know what? I got to ask it. Um, do you see the Pirates winning a World Series in the next 20 years? I gotta ask it. <laughs> no, but, but, but they signed and, and McCutcheon. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm critical here. I, I grew up in the I'm 58. I grew up in the 70s when baseball was really good. Piece of the 80s, piece of the 90s when it was really good. Now, if done correctly, if done correctly, they could contend. But I don't expect. I, I hope they do. Again, it's not the talent pool that it used to be. Right. Trust me when baseball I baseball in general or the baseball Pirates organization. In okay. Baseball in general. My point is, there's no dominant team that you can say. When we were growing up, Yankees, Pirates, right. Baltimore, Dodgers, St. Louis would give you a run for your money. You know, now, tell me who you can bet the ranch. Mm, They're true. gonna so so anything can happen. I uh, doubt it, but anything can no, happen. No, I I, I I agree with. We're not going to go down a baseball rabbit hole, but I just want to <laughs> say I agree with that because buying a roster doesn't guarantee a championship. No. But on the you other hand, to. my thing is going on the cheap is almost a surefire way that unless you get guys that just had like four or five year starters, had the career year that they they're never going to play and all of a sudden you're like, "Hey, we, we made the postseason." Well, I mean, that's a fluke though. I'll, I'll say this about that. If you if you're not going to go buy a new car, fix up and clean up the one that you have. Agree. Okay? Improve what you have. Play a different style of game. Uh, don't play base for base, stationary game, or just swing for home runs. Do a little hit and run, a bunt, squeeze. Do something crazy. Don't take your starting pitching out when he's doing well because everybody Thank else you. is doing it. Thank you. Know, you. Pitch count pitch and all counts. that. I don't that. get it. That's garbage. We're gonna, folks, we're going to have this. This will be a topic at a future time. <laughs> pitch counts drives me yeah, crazy. But, go ahead. but if they do things right, they can make some noise. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Yeah. You know, it's like it's such a storied franchise. Oh, I hate what's really happening is. to it. it. Really it's is. very and frustrating. I, I've been very blessed. I'm sure we'll sprinkle it in through the years or uh, through the shows. Uh, I went to my first game August 19th, 1973. Oh, yeah. Tell me about that because that's a big deal. Yeah. My, my parents from Italy, they like boxing and soccer. My uncle used to work at Three River Stadium at the Allegheny Club. So August 19th, 1973, he took me to my first pirate game. Long story short, I went in that place. My eyes opened up like I had toothpicks in them. And I knew that day what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I came home. My dad said, you have a good time? I said, I did. But I, I know what I want to do for the rest of my life. He said, what's that? So I want to be in 
professional baseball. And he simply said, okay, if that's what you want to do, we'll do everything we can to make your dream come true. And my mom said, yes, if that's what you want to do, we'll give you every opportunity. And they kept their promise. And thankfully I kept mine, but, um, uh, I, I love the game. I've been, I've been so grateful to be doing all the things with, at the risk of sounding funny or arrogant. I, I never, I didn't play major league baseball, which was the original dream, but I'm glad I didn't having said all that. Cause so I, who wants those millions of dollars? Well, it's more not money, that so much problems. Well, well that, but I, I get to know my wife. I get to know my daughter, oh, get, you know, I'm and kidding. I get my cake and eat it too. I work in professional baseball for that. But yeah, I get to have my cake and eat it too. I get to be a professional baseball because I had a chance to work in Italy. We can get to that whenever you want. And it was a hell of a decision that I had to make. A very hell of a decision I had to make. And I made it, and I made the right one. Wait, for baseball or just working For baseball. For baseball, yeah. When I was making – We're going to get there. We'll say that. No, we're going to come back to that. uh, Yeah, so – but I'm very grateful. Because I think we got some guests that lined up that might know something about baseball. That's going to be a surprise, folks. We've got some great guests lined up for the show over the next next few months. I'm very excited for that. Claudio, we are getting ready to take our first, as they used to say, pause for the cause. All right. All right, a couple things. The Italian-American Sports Hall of Fame Pittsburgh chapter, which I'm now the president of, just got voted that a couple weeks ago, will have its annual scholarship banquet Wednesday, August 2nd at the Lamont's Restaurant in Mount Washington. More info will be coming in the weeks ahead uh, for banquet information and membership drive. Matter of fact, Dan Marino Sr. started the Italian Hall of Fame Pittsburgh chapter years and years ago. And also, uh, I wrote a book, as I said. and I was, I'm an author now, uh, which my English teachers would be surprised to here. Uh, Lead from the heart up, not the neck up, how to create a positive winning culture on the field and in the office. Uh, I got that title from my mom. My mom used to say, never speak from the neck up, speak from the heart up. So I turned it around and named my book that. But that's a very good book. Uh, A lot of experiences that I've had on the field and off. And uh, you can get that on my website at ClaudioRelsano.com and Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com as well. And the Robinson Township Barnes & Noble. But get it on my website. This way I get the full amount of money. (laughs) <laughs> Don't give the man his money. All right, Claudio, I appreciate that. All and right. uh, again, welcome back, everyone. Um, Claudio, I'm still waiting for my application to the Beer League Ice Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think it's hosted in a friend of mine's garage. So other than that, my sports career is very uninteresting. That's right. um, Claudio, but I understand we have a special guest, and I believe he's a good friend of yours. We do. He's a, he's just a good man, and he's a friend of mine. I can call him a friend of mine. He's always there for me. Uh, energetic, intelligent, common sense. The guy checks check marks all the checks marks all the boxes. And that's Doctor Greg Roscoe. Doctor, thank you so much for being on the show. Wow, thank you for having me. It is an honor. And uh, congratulations on becoming president of the organization. <laughs> thank you very Super. much. Thank you, thank you. And we got to get you involved in that organization for sure. And, and I meant what I said. You, you're obviously you're a top notch doctor, but uh, you're you're a, a good person, good family, and it's my honor and pleasure to become uh, friends with you. And I appreciate all your support over the years. So thank you. No, thank you very very much. Thank you for the kind words. And you know we've had a good relationship. Uh, always enjoyed, you know, what you do and how you do it and how you talk to people, how you interview people, how you bring the best out of your guests. So, right. uh, Claudio, it's been, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate that. You know what, Doctor, before we tell our audience uh, who you are and everything, uh, you and I did an interview on our show with Mario Andretti. Uh, tell, yes, us, tell us about your, your thoughts on that interview. Uh, well, it was, number one, it was the first time I've ever done that. You gave me quite an opportunity 
And I believe that probably was about a year ago. Two years ago, believe it or not. Two years ago. Wow. And uh, it, it was fun. It was exciting. It was good to be able to talk to that level of a superstar and have him respond to questions. Uh, I really enjoyed the interview process with a legend like that, Claudio. And I, I know, you know, that kind of stimulated me a little bit as well. I think after that interview, I may have said to you, I want to do my own show. Right. I really enjoy doing what you're doing and how you're doing it with people. So you did, you know, give me some exhilaration there uh, to do something I had never done before. So, so, so an inside joke, you're going to call me your mentor and brother, correct? You are, honestly, <laughs> you are a mentor. Uh, you know, you're a brother, you're a friend. You gave me an opportunity that I would have never, ever had. And that's the beauty of what you've done for me. Well, you've done a lot for me, and I appreciate your support of me and the show. Uh, Tell our audience, uh, where is your family from in Italy? Uh, You know, uh, our family, uh, the location uh, is in the area of northern Italy, Pistoia, uh, and it's around Florence. And uh, our family came over uh, in the 20s uh, as stonemasons. And they did concrete work. And there were uh, seven brothers and sisters. And, you know, uh, they came over. They settled in the Brentwood area of Pittsburgh, as well as in uh, Charleroi and Denora, Pennsylvania, right on the river. Uh, So they came over, and, you know, they were workers. And that was what they prided themselves in, Claudio. They came over to work, and they worked. They raised their families. Uh, and again, the next generation, which I was part of, we became educated. We had opportunities because of what that first generation did. Well said. And it was from the Florence area. Yes, sir. Yeah, that, that was very well said. That's right. A lot of us can say what you just said. Very good. Hey, Dr. Roscoe, again, and thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, I'm curious, um, did you have you ever gone back, or do you still have any relatives that remain behind? Uh, yeah, well, you know what? As far as just, if, can I give you a little bit of history? Please. Um, yeah, you know, overall, as far as uh, the questions, I did go back. Uh, I had a great opportunity uh, for education there. I didn't realize it at the time, but I did go to medical school in Bologna, Italy. And I did do an internship residency there uh, and then came home. Uh, it was an opportunity that uh, I didn't get, you know, in this country. Uh, as much as I wanted to stay here, uh, Italy gave me the opportunity to get educated. So long story short, uh, I owe the Republic of Italy a, a big thank you very, very much for the education. And, you know, have we gone back? The answer is yes. And, you know, I went to school in Bologna. Uh, which, as you know, uh, is a city that's northern Italy, about a million inhabitants, very progressive city. Uh, Politically, which I think is known as well, Bologna is a communistic government-governed city. So it's kind of a very unusual combination uh, of Italians uh, and a variety of other nationalities there. Uh, We've been back. I've taken uh, my daughter as well as my wife back. We've been back two or three times. Now you we had still to have uh, relatives. Yeah. I so say you had so, to obviously be fluent in Italian to attend school there. So did you get that from your family or did you have to pick that up later? 
Well, you know what? Uh, you had to learn. You know, uh, at home, they talked a little bit of Italian to us. Uh, we didn't know a lot, to be honest. Uh, I didn't know how to write in Italian. And again, to enter school there as a foreigner, we had to be able to read, write, and speak Italian. Otherwise, you couldn't enter into the university there. Does that answer your question? It does. And we're, we're trying to push for reading, writing uh, here in American universities from uh, American students. But go ahead, Claudia. Yeah, no, Let me yeah. pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you you talked about your, your family and they came here and, and they worked so you could have a, a, a better opportunity. And I, and I follow that as well with, with my family. Uh, yeah. But what traditions did you grow up with that you still uh, uphold? Well, you know, that, that's a very, you know, very interesting question uh, with regard to, you know, what's a tradition? What's our culture? Uh, you know, one of the main things that I think I did learn uh, and it was instilled with is something called a work ethic. Right. You know, as far as that tradition, it was about making something of yourself. You know, it wasn't that we sat home and watched TV that we did drugs, that we smoked alcohol, you know, we didn't go to school, my dad would have killed me uh, <laughs> if those kind of things had happened. You know, it was always, not beat into us, but indeed, you got to make something of yourself. This is the land of opportunity. Go out, you know, study, work, make something of yourself because you have the opportunity. And, you know, again, from a tradition, I think indeed, that's probably the biggest tradition that I've carried from my family. You know, does that make sense to you? Or do you yes. think that, you know, I'm on the right track with very, that? Very much so. Very much so. Now, a two-part question. You tell us what you're doing now, but bef- a little bit, and then tell us the obstacles that it took you to get from A to B, and then tell us a little bit more about what you do now. Wow. Well, thank you for that. You know, and, uh, as far as what, what I'm doing now, <clears throat> uh, you know, my profession, my career, I is I'm an ear, nose, and throat doctor, meaning that, you know, I, I went through medical school, uh, I did a residency, uh, I did a residency in surgery, and then I continued to study and did another residency in ear, nose, and throat. And again, you know, I, we all know what that is, <clears throat> you know, that's taking tonsils out, putting tubes in, we do allergy work, we do sinus work, you know, we do cancer work of the head and neck. And that basically is what I do. I do that every day. And, you know, we take care of children, pediatric. We take care of, you know, babies, six weeks, six-week-old babies. And you know what a tongue tie is, correct? Yes. Their tongue gets further down. Yes. They can't suck. They can't nurse. You know, we go in and we, we, we release that to get that tongue to move. You know, we take care of the 80- and 90-year-old nosebleeds that are on Coumadin and Eliquist and aspirin. Their houses are 90 degrees. Their noses dry out. They pick their nose. Then they bleed like hell. <laughs> you know, that's what we do every day. It's the only thing the good you know? Lord lets us pick. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all. I don't mean to be facetious there. Oh, that's good. But, I mean, that's what I do. You know, that our, the profession is fantastic. You know, we take care of men. We take care of women. We take care of children. We take care of the adolescent and allergy, allergy as well as the elderly. Sure. So, indeed, that's what I do every day. And, now, and I've been doing it a long time. Right. Uh, 
you know, uh, I do have gray hair, by the way. Uh, and, you know, I've been doing it for about 40 years. So it's quite a profession, and uh, I'm still very thankful to be able to be able to practice the profession. You know, go ahead. I can. No, no, that that's good. But go real, real quick, you said 40 years gray hair. I've seen you, and I tell everybody about you. Your exuberance. You, you're not a slowpoke. You move, and you're you're like a a 20 year old. So you're doing good. But what what well, were some of the you. obstacles that you had to? overcome which is something that we all do we all have to yes. overcome something to get from where you started to where you are sure you know uh i mean we can start you know many many years ago uh where you know i had the aspiration to become a doctor uh however you know at the time now this was in uh the mid 60s late 60s there were a couple of things uh number one we had the vietnam war and the only that. deferments at that time were medical school. And the medical schools were inundated with applicants. Uh, and, of course, I didn't make the cut. I didn't get in. That was the first obstacle. But, you know, uh, I didn't give up. And with my family uh, and, you know, the people around me, they motivated me to go ahead. Let's go to a foreign country. And that, that's what I did. That was the first obstacle. You know, the, ne- the next obstacle after the educational process, and, you know, you can imagine going to a foreign country, not being able really to speak the language fluently, uh, having to live there, study there, uh, and, you know, eat the food there and learn about those things. Uh, it was a, quite an obstacle for a 20-year-old kid. And, you know, but you grow and you mature and you make it. And, you know, and then once, you know, Claudio, once, I was in that position to be there and having to function. And again, those kind of circumstances, you know, there really were no other serious obstacles that were as difficult as that. Sure. You know, that was the most difficult thing I have ever had to do in my life. Uh, and it, but, you know, you do it. It makes a man out of you. Either you do or you don't. Right. And, you know, you got to get up every day and do it. And that was the biggest thing. And so having said that, Italy gave me quite a perspective on life and adversity. And I've never forgotten it. And then, you know, you come back to this country, and, yeah, you're a foreign medical graduate. And, you know, years ago like that, uh, there was a little bit of a stigma that maybe you're not as good. You're not as smart. Indeed, that's very wrong. But, indeed, that was the stigma, you know, in the 60s and the 70s about foreign medical graduates. But, you know, overall, I came home. I was able to get a job uh, to do well in my job, in my community. And, you know, after a while, the stigma's gone. Nobody ever asked you, where'd you go to med school? They want to know what your performance is, how you're doing, how you're taking care of patients, you know, those kind of things. And, you know, as life goes on, we always have challenges. But there was nothing like that challenge of trying to become a doctor in a foreign country. Sure. Now, I want to I kind know? of piggyback on that, if you don't mind, because, you know, you said something earlier. You said, you know, I learned a work ethic. And I think a lot of people that come to this country, regardless of what country they're from, for the most part, they come here, they see what America has to offer, and they teach their kids. It's like, you can take advantage of this because most of them are coming from poverty. So they're coming here. And they're realizing, hey, if I work hard, I can have a job, I can save money, my kids can go to school. 
you know, I, I want to go back to something right. because there's there's a stigma that somehow if in, in Europeans that they don't work hard. Now, you lived there and you yeah. studied there. I, I'm going to make a yeah. leap of faith that that was not easy and that that work ethic beyond the cultural, you know, challenges. Like I said, you're in another country. You know, it's sure. not your first language. You know, you're learning things. I'm going to make a leap of faith. But that was probably very challenging from a work perspective, too. Sure. Uh and what was the question, Steve? I don't what remember, do but this is live. That's all we can keep. Can we Can we go back? No, we're live. No, no. the point, though, is, is that work ethic, you needed it in Europe. That somehow, oh, the work ethic only applied while I was in the United States. You needed it in Europe, putting aside the you cultural piece. Right. But, you know, uh, Steve, I think, you know, with regard to a, a, a personal, you know, one's personal treasury uh, of skills, you know, we all have to go out in the world and, earn our daily bread. And indeed, you know, you have that work ethic. Not everybody in the world has that, but not everybody in the world, Steve, is successful. Correct. And, you know, it's a matter of how successful do we want to be? You know, how, how big of a bowl of cherries do we want to have? And, you know, we see that in America. You know that. And, you know, Europe, a little different philosophy, a little more of a laissez-faire, you know, <laughs> attitude, which is nice. But indeed, you know, the American work ethic is tremendous from what I had seen in Europe. And not to be critical, you know, the lifestyle in Italy is beautiful. I'd love to retire there and live in Tuscany. But, you know, as far as our work ethic, I think we have quite a work ethic because we have such opportunity. And I think we're rewarded for the opportunities. Do you think that's true? I think that's true, and I think the problem now is people are almost being rewarded to not work nowadays, and right. that is a real problem if you go out there in the labor market. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but there is something to said that 30, 40, 56 years ago, you know, people where you were taught you're going to go to work, you're going to work 30, 40 years, maybe you're going yep. to retire at some point, you're going to collect social, then you'll be able to relax. You know, now it's like, oh, I'm 22 years old. I worked for six months. Uh, I need a, I need a two-year vacation. I mean, I hate to pick on a, you know, a 22 year, but, but, I, mean, I understand. But, but that mindset um, of work is, is lost. Well, you know what? I, 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 I have to agree 100%. But, you know, I have a little bit of a take on that. And, you know, uh, when I was growing up, my family unit would have never allowed that to occur. Right. You know, my dad was a bus driver. My mom was a, a secretary. Uh, they worked every day. We were very, you know, m- middle class, mediocre. I mean, we never did without. But indeed, the work ethic was there. And I blame a little bit, Steve, about the family unit breaking down. Oh, I, you I don't have, you know, when you, at the dinner table, you know, what do you talk about? Well, What's there may not even be a dinner table. Right. You know, there may be nobody there to sit and talk to the children. And I'm, I'm not being critical of anyone's family, but just in general, we've lost, I think, that core. And that core is so important to building a society, building a culture, putting a work ethic together, and then again, rewarding our children from doing well or doing well. And I just think that has broken down. That, that in my mind, is what I see. So who raises our children? Society. That's right. Where do they get their morals, their ethics, their values? From goddamn MTV. 
Live, Dr. Roscoe, live. Uh, no, <laughs> By the way, MTV is not it's really. Dead. Is it's pretty dead? Much dead. It's pretty much dead anymore. Dead? Yeah. Remember but, when they used to play music? That's Anyways, right. I music videos. We, me and my wife, Linda, were talking about that. We used to enjoy the videos. But, you know, Dr. Rock, Roscoe, you hit on a lot of things. And the Italians have a saying, and we'll lead into the next question. The fish thinks from the head. If the head's bad, it trickles down. In an organization, if the head is bad, it trickles down. If the coach is bad, it trickles down. And in family, if the if the parents are bad, it trickles down. You and your wife, who I've met several times, love your wife. You have a wonderful family, very successful kids. Uh, and tell us about that. And, and again, I give a, a ton of credit to wow. you and Mrs. Roscoe. Yes, please. I mean, she deserves it. <laughs> she I'll be does. Very honest. Uh, she held the family together. Yes, she and, did. You know, as you know, it takes a team. And raising children, we each have different hats in the family. Uh, you know, I was not the breadwinner. But, indeed, she was the the woman that made it happen. She prepared the meals. She made sure the homework was done. She made sure the kids went to school every day. You know, she went to the teacher's conference. You know, so I've got to hand it to her. And if I can brag, you know, we have very, very good children. And I give Mama the credit on that. You know, they've done well. Of course they struggle. They have problems. But, indeed, they've been educated, and they're able to go out in the world and solve their problems and, uh, you know, educate their children uh, as well as make a living without coming home and wanting to live, you know, with mom and dad. But indeed, you know, I I think it's one of those things that you have to, it's a team. And you know that, Claudio, you have to have the philosophy. What are the words? You know, what are the words you have to give your team to make them successful, to interact into, you know, situations? You have to know the words to give them and how to express them. And that's what I think is so important in leadership. You know, where is the leadership today? Right. You know, right? I mean, part of it, I think, you know, a lot of people are very greedy. It's a me world. And, you know, I'm not worried about the other members of society. Uh, you know, Silicon Valley. You know, what about, you know, recently they were talking about, you know, this vaping and the jewel. And, you know, the, uh, the vaping cigarette, uh, you know, the people that did it, the two gentlemen that did it, were supposed to go ahead and help tape, taper people off of smoking. Well, they just did the reverse. They sold the company each. They got $650 bucks a piece, Jeez. sold it to Philip Morris, and people are hooked on the thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's free <laughs> rather than people. Again, there's no reason why you can't make it and get wealthy. But let's help our fellow man. Sure. No, you're you're right. You're right, Steve. No, that's that's fantastic. By the way, I, I love live radio. So, for the record, <laughs> that, this is why I like live radio. He speaks you, from the heart up, no, not the neck up. No, you know up. what? The yes, truth he is does. Live radio, you get you get truth, you get passion. The problem, see, everybody wants to go do podcast. The problem with podcasts are you can edit them, you can tweak it. It's like, would you rather hear a band play live, right. or just go home and sit and listen to a record? We don't tweak on sure. mine. We just let it run. <laughs> but I, we like live. I, I love live. That's why I think I people that say radio is dead, I disagree. I love radio, and I am all for radio. Um, I do got a question for you, Dr. Roscoe, though. Uh, you obviously are not just, you know, ear, nose, and throat. You have other projects going on. Let's talk about what are some of the other projects you got going on right now? Wow. Uh, I don't know how you know that. That's but, classified. Uh, I, will, uh, I found it know, in Claudio's documents again, in this house. You know, we, we all are a little bit entrepreneurial. 
And, you know, when you, you know, you love life, you like to go out and challenge things and again, spread your wings. And, uh, you know, project wise, um, a couple things, you know, uh, we do a little bit of construction, you know, we have housing projects that we're building and, uh, you know, again, I kind of sit there and watch it all, but I kind of put it together as well. So we do some construction, Steve, and building. And, you know, we have one project we're doing with Penn State now uh, in building dormitory housing, you know, for their students. And that's a real joy, you know, solving problems, putting things together, uh, and then making it happen so that, you know, your business flourishes and works. And, again, you do more, more of that if, indeed, uh, that's what you like. But, I mean, that's all. I mean, simple things like that. You know, I, I've had an opportunity to do a little bit of a podcast. And, again, thanks to Claudio, uh, I do a little bit there. Uh, not as successful, of course, as Claudio is. He's a superstar. But I, <laughs> Just I'm ask him if you're not sure. And <laughs> I really enjoy you know, having an opportunity to do a little bit of work like that. But otherwise, I, I'm pretty stable, you know, kind of down to earth. Uh, I go to work every day. I take care of my patients. And I want to give them good care. You know, you get educated more and more to bring new technologies to the practice. Uh, and that's what we want to do to help. You know, medicine is constantly changing. And we can't sit back on our duff and treat people the way we did 30 years ago. The public is very smart, very savvy. They have all kinds of resources. So we as physicians need to keep up. And, again, just if I can... You know, just uh, I'll elaborate a wee little bit that, you know, uh, the newer technologies, especially with sinus work and ear work, are where we go in, you know, putting a camera into the nasal chamber and then actually putting a micro balloon into the sinus openings and then dilating them, inflating the balloons to open the sinuses to allow them to drain. You know, the same thing with the ears. We used to put tubes in the ears. Today we're going in, putting a balloon up into the ear drainage tube and stretching it and allowing the ear to drain, which is phenomenal from the radical surgeries that we have done, you know, in the past. So medicine is always improving, but we as providers need to, you know, get, keep off our duff, as I mentioned, and keep learning and growing. And that's part of a work ethic. And, you know, Claudia mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, I'm kind of busy and I do a lot, uh, but I do. I'm still very exhilarated by what goes on and the opportunities to learn. So this is a great country, gentlemen. This is a great country. That's good, for sure. Good, good words of wisdom. You know what? And until you're dead, you're alive, so keep living. I absolutely agree with that. Boy, um, I love that. But I'll right. tell you. You write that down, and it's a trademark of, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, but, no, I do want to pick up something you did say because um, a little bit of a rabbit hole, but kind of a good question for, for listeners. A lot of times people go online and they look up their symptoms and they go into the doctor's office kind of pre-diagnosing themselves. And sometimes doctors won't push back and say, yeah, that sounds right. And we're going to, you know, and it's almost like you're almost playing your own doctor. Do you do you see that? And is that a problem? Uh, you know what? Uh my answer is no. Uh, you know, uh, as far as, you know, something that's so important for all of us, and especially with what we're doing now, is communicating. And, you know, dealing with people very intimately about their health. 
You have to be able to communicate. And when someone comes in and says, yeah, you know, I looked online about X, Y, and Z. Uh, you know, this is what I think you need to do or whatever. And I'll say, fine, but, you know, let's look at, you know, the whole picture. Because you get online, you get a very narrow picture where, as a physician, we need to look at the whole patient. So I don't criticize them or critique them, but I say, you know, if you want to know something, here are the words to look up on the Internet about what you have. You know, this is how you spell it. This is what you need to do. And, you know, Steve, uh, what we do with our patients, by the way, uh, is, you know, again, with regard to the medical care, which I think most physicians should do, is something that we call the four pillars, the four pillars of health care. And, you know, what, what people should expect, these pillars, just real, real briefly, you know, where we go in as a physician or a provider, we listen to the patient. And, and that's the big thing. That's part of this communication, as you and I are doing, but we listen to each other. You know, the second step of these, the second pillar is an examination. You know, the doctor touches the patient, examines the patient, is being, is being able to understand what the symptomology is going on. The third pillar, diagnostic tests, you know, CT, MRI, things like that. Then the fourth pillar is decision-making. You know, a lot of what happens today, especially with, you know, we have a lot of providers as PAs or nurse practitioners that have training, but they need a little more experience. And they don't do the pillars. Someone will come into the office or the emergency room. What's the first thing they do? They order a DT scan. They think the scan is going to go ahead and make the diagnosis. But our patients, you know, need to be aware that, hey, you've got to talk to the doc. They need to touch you and examine you. Then they need to do some testing based on what they found. That's kind of my shtick is what I do with my people every day. Doctor, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, you go ahead, please. Well, last question. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. And, and again, you know, I appreciate you coming on. But you're a very Thanks successful God. person, both professionally and more important, important, personally. Tell our audience your best advice for A, achieving success in life, and B, living a happy life. Wow. <laughs> That's a hell of a question, isn't it, Doc? You know, uh, you know I, let me say this. I don't think there's one answer to each question right but, it, but indeed i i can give a little bit of an answer if you'd like me to take a shot at it overall give it a shot and you know um let me tell you about what i think about home and about uh living a happy life with your wife your family there is something that, that i really do believe in and i have a little sign up i in my office and the sign says simply this seek to understand before being understood. Seek Very to yep. understand before being understood. Very good. And, you know, what that means to me and my family, you know, when the kids come home and they call, rather than me tell them, I want to understand what's the problem. You know, when my wife comes in and uh, maybe she's a little unhappy with what I've done, uh, I need to maybe understand rather than try to be defensive and tell her. You know, so I really tried to do that, you know, seeking to understand before me opening my mouth being understood. 
I don't know if that you know yes. rings through with anybody. Yes, but that that's what I've done with our family. Now we've been married a very very long time, so uh, some of that may have worked a little bit. It, it's it's working um, quite well. You have a successful family, successful life, successful practice, doctor. I appreciate your time. I know our audience loved hearing everything you had to say, and you and I will obviously continue to connect and become even better friends. Thank you so much for being on our show boy. today. Thank you, Dr. I want to thank you for the opportunity, both of you. It was outstanding. And again, I'm very honored to have been a participant on your show. Thank Thank you you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. All right, Claudio, looks like we are just about up. And like I said, I love live radio. I think you get the un, you get the unedited, he's raw the emotion. He's awesome. I he's love him. He's the best. He's gonna come, if we don't get canceled by the FCC, he's coming back. He's That's coming all back there is for to sure. it. All right, listen, we'd like to thank uh, Hank Eduardo for our music. Um, Hank and I, I've known Hank for, geez, 50 years. And uh, Hank's a fantastic musician. And uh, if you have an event or uh, you know, are interested in having him or hiring him for some kind of uh, whatever um, please look him up on Facebook. He does a variety of music from both, uh, you know, classic Italian music to more modern Italian favorites. But look up Hank Eduardo out on Facebook. And again, Hank, thank you very much for the music. And uh, keep keep listening to the station. We're going to have a bunch of great guests, a bunch of great interviews. And uh, appreciate being on. Steve, thank you all for listening. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Awesome. And please tune in again next week, next same time. And remember, you can catch us streaming live at khbradio.com. And if you're interested in being a guest, you have any questions, or you're thinking about supporting the show, please feel free to email us at questions at italianimpactweekly.com. Again, that's questions at italianimpactweekly.com. Again, we'll see you next week. And thank you, Linda and I. Too. <laughs> right. Italian Impact Weekly has been sponsored by Steve Mancini and his sponsors.